These days, even new companies are often international. In fact, they are often born globally in terms of their supply chain, their partners or their customer base. However, going global from the get-go is challenging if you need to invest in infrastructure and maybe even a local presence. Hey, I'm Mark Stöcker and this is Global Content, where we look at content from around the world or look into creating valuable content for global audience and international markets. So today I'm going to talk with Carlos Montero from Evolve about global expansion with content instead of bricks and mortar. Carlos is helping companies to expand globally, especially by building communities. And I'm very glad that he has found the time to join me today to explain more of his concepts and that focus on tailoring content to individual markets and localizing it truly to the audience. Hello, Carlos, and uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time, and I'm looking very much forward to our conversation. Thanks for having me on. So you're based in Denmark, and you're working globally, but that doesn't say very much, I think. Maybe you could just introduce yourself to the viewers uh, with a few sentences. Cool. So uh, thanks again, Mark. Uh, my name is Carlos. I've been in Denmark now for about starting seven years. Um, the reason why I'm, I'm here is because I met my... My ex-wife in Brazil, I used to work for the Danish consulate there. I arrived in Denmark in June of 2013. I, I created a blog called DenmarkBrazil.com. Uh, my idea through that blog was to position myself. Uh, the, the, goal, the goal was to, to, to get hired. When I was at the consulate, at the Danish consulate, I was working at the trade council, pretty much helping Danish and Brazilian companies to, to talk to each other. I asked a lot of friends in Brazil who were at the time, you know, in, 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 in the C-level in the positions and across various industries to give me video interviews because I wanted to display these uh, video interviews in my blog. But then long story short, um, that's, uh, I got in Denmark and through that blog, I started my company, you know, um, so that's basically it. So it, it happened by accident, you could say, even. It did. <laughs> initially, yeah, initially you started to uh, with this blog to find a, a job and it ended up with you being uh, working on your own and um, starting your uh, own business. So, so you learned a lot by contacting these people, you said, if I received it right. Uh, what, what, what did you learn? I mean, what... Let's look at this, you know, as an outsider, right? When you are a foreigner, whether you're a person or a business, you're just an outsider. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but you're a stranger. So you need to build trust. So what, what you're saying is um, you can't expect people to um, react um, overly positive on that because they, they, they can't judge anything. It's just too less of information and there's no trust. Precisely. And I was doing that uh, just, you know, uh, through code emails. That's the first learning. And, and I think at the time I was sending some massive emails. That was 2013. Like when we see emails today, how emails are changing, they're just like two lines, you know, that people are exchanging because everything has gone to Slack and other mediums. But the, 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 the point of the matter is I understood that if I had, if I talked about me in the first place without building any trust, um, I was just losing a massive opportunity to build relationships. And so what I started doing instead was instead of talking about me and sending code emails, 
I started studying more about LinkedIn. And what I tried then was to, uh, to find their contact on LinkedIn to personalize a message, say, hey, this is Carlos. I, I'm from Brazil and I have a blog called DenmarkBrazil.com. I would love to have your take on this blog because I'm looking for feedback on how I can improve my writing and content. That was it. By doing that systematically, let's say that I was trying, I think I was trying to add like 30 to 50 people per day. In three, four months after I arrived in Denmark, I had, I was receiving my first offer from a Danish customer. It's called Vita Living. So a board member uh, saw some of my posts and content uh, about Brazil. And then he referred me to, to one of the companies that he was on the board. And then the CEO oh, wow. of this company, okay. yeah, and the CEO of this company, he said, listen, uh, I'd like to have a chat with you and with our uh, international business expansion director because we're looking into Brazil. So from that point on, I realized that there was an opportunity, you know, like in uh, both with content creation. And we're looking back at LinkedIn in 2013 when you had no video uh, capabilities, you had no voice capabilities. Um, yeah, exactly. You just were, said you, you, you just could post text, essentially. Essentially tags. Uh, the platform, I mean, has evolved uh, quite a bit, right? So, yeah. so since then, I mean, everything that has happened in my life, every single thing has happened through LinkedIn because of LinkedIn and because of referrals. That's it. Wow. So what you're saying is... Um, you're seeing content at the heart of your channel, which is LinkedIn and no longer the blog. Um, but you still would say you're kind of a content marketer slash community builder, right? Yes, I, I would define myself, uh, yeah, a bit of a social seller, content marketer, you know, strategist <clears throat> in that sense. I think I learned a lot from that experience of, um, of, of being a foreigner, arriving in Denmark and, and having to... Uh, position myself so yeah yeah and to and to start from nothing essentially mm -hmm. um, pretty much yeah it helps you to like kind of see things clearly i think mm -hmm. um so yeah so you pick kind of your channel and then you started um to uh work from there you could say upwards <laughs> and that evolved into evolve no fun yeah. intended, <laughs> but essentially, but you, you had, you had steps in between you, you did a lot of different things, but all, uh, um, circle around, uh, the idea of community building and content. So you, would you say content is the thing you need to build trust? Um, but there's more to it. Like you said, strategy is the thing. I, I think, I think that the, the whole thing is like content is going to be the glue that, that builds the, you know, connects people and drives conversations. But the thing is, I think we have to forget about the channels. Like LinkedIn has worked for me um, because I'm usually targeting the C-suite in very specific industries. So we, we have to start by uh, talking about who's the target or who's my persona. And um, I'm mentoring some people on LinkedIn now. Um, and, and it seems that sometimes understanding the target that they have, like it's something very great for them, you know, so uh, when when you have LinkedIn, you have to optimize your profile. I'm not going to go into that, but just the very fact that you understand your target, they might as well be on Pinterest, you know, depending on the. Community. Yeah, exactly. 
yeah go, yeah you you gotta you gotta position yourself where uh that that the clients are and not where mm-hmm. you'd like to be or what ca- channel you personally prefer i mean you gotta go to their places yeah exactly. they're not going to come to you exactly exactly understanding their world as in channels that they're in what type of conversations they're interested if you understand that and if you talk more with your customers and prospects and that's the reason why i believe so much I'm so bullish in doing interviews because first you build a relationship um, and then you can really understand their their world and pains and, and then you can just hone in to that, you know. I was just trying to um, to go a bit more deeper here because that's actually a good point when we're talking about international expansion. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks more or less in, in, in brick and mortar terms. Like right. uh, building subsidiaries or uh, entering a foreign country by having an office there or something, but essentially, uh, what, what what you're doing is you're building you you you're helping companies to expand internationally without necessarily physically going there, but just by having a look at their target audience, their um, their needs, um, that the channels they're communicating, the discussions, like you said, they they have uh, mm-hmm. more or less recognizing and adapting the, the global complexities and tapping into that business opportunities all more or less digitally. I don't think you can do this by just posting everything in English. So how are you approaching this? For instance, in Brazil, um, most people speak uh, Portuguese and not English. So just posting stuff in English is not the solution. So how's your approach on international expansion with content? Yeah, that's that's a great, great question. So, uh, again, I don't think there's one one size fits all, but I do think that, again, once you understand your audience, it gets a lot more clear. So what I use, uh, let's just define who's my audience so you understand who I'm targeting as, as customers. So I'm usually targeting SaaS companies in the commerce space, and my, my ideal buyer They're usually an international expansion director. It could be a CEO, a CMO, uh, 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 someone in growth, and and they have to. They, ha- they they It's usually a company that is that is funded. You know, they 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 have this. Um, they have a budget to to do interviews and to do content, and and they've tried a few things, and they let's say that they failed. So they have a pain there. They don't know what to do, but they need to grow. They see the opportunity, right? Okay. Yeah. Got it. My approach uh, to international expansion, when no one knows your business, what I usually try to see is like to map out the conversations. Who are the decision makers in that um, in that space? You know, who are the who are the reference voices, if that makes sense? Who who are the uh, authoritative voices in that community that I can build a relationship with? What is it that these guys are talking about? Uh, what hashtags are, are they using? What what are the, the the typical events that they go to? You know. Oh uh, yeah, I see. So you're having a kind of an engineering approach to it. You're you're gathering and collecting data and signals, mm-hmm. and and then you kind of re, yeah, kind of reverse engineer in a way your way to them to reach them. What what is what are their interest? What are their interests? How could we interact with them? What are this, the discussions the industry is having and the thought leaders are having? And how can we tap in there? Precisely. And what I usually do then is like, there's a lot of field research and trying to understand. So I'll give you the, I'll give you three, 
three different stories here. The first story is about um, Pixels company from Denmark doing post imagery post-production. So basically, if you have a commerce site, you need to, to have a white background and stuff like that when you take the pictures. And we were targeting fashion companies. I did their expansion in Brazil. Obviously, Brazil, I already had a pre-established network. It was easier. So they asked me to tap into the UK. <clears throat> into the UK, it's, in my opinion, uh, from the experience I've, I have so far over the past uh, seven years working with international expansion is the most challenging country I've, I've tried. Uh, the target market in that case, they were uh, studio directors. It could be commerce directors, people taking care of uh, production of images, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. How we did it was um, at the time we created some sales cadences, but that was a big failure. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but some people like to create email automations and they believe that there's Again, a formula that's going to, uh, to fit everything. Uh, I got a lot of people annoyed at me. But in, in like the target at the time was uh, we were targeting companies that were doing at least $10 million in online revenues. We, we, we would call them whale clients or whale prospects, you know, the, the, the yeah. real massive ones. And basically, I was doing uh, some content on videos and post-production and in, in about 11 months we we were able no it was nine months we were able to uh, open accounts such as ted baker john lewis and you know some really really heavy ones and, and and i'm talking from a prospecting standpoint the other uh, so that was a success in the end but the approach uh we we kind of forced a lot with sales cadences so a lot of people got quite frustrated so even though it worked, uh, I don't think it was it was a success from a prospecting standpoint. But a lot of people got upset, as in seeing me as a very annoying seller. And I think that's that's uh, a way yeah, that, that no one should go, you know, or pursue. Yeah, and you had, you had kind of a fallout of that actions. Um, there was this. There were wins on one side, but then there were so many losses on the other side, and that resulted in you being received as annoying or as pushy or as exactly. Uh, the problem with this is it's hard to ever make contact again with somebody that you actually upset. You just lost it. That you're, I think it's completely. It's just point. you're out. You're out. Yeah, it's just it's burned. It's burned ground. Exactly, and I remember people deleting me from their LinkedIn. I went to the guys who were responsible at, uh, for marketing at the time and said, "This is this is just you know rubbish. This is crazy. Gonna, yeah, this I'm, is crazy. If people yeah. are unli if un unlinking you, wow." Yeah. So then uh, that's when I decided just to to do my own thing and do what I believe uh, believe in, which is content. I think the issue that we, we see in sales today and marketing is that everyone wants a, a formula and they they have these quarterly goals, you know, because they have to, the board is doing a lot of pressure. So pretty much how business uh, incentives, they work, the one getting the highest pay is the CEO. So that's, you know, top down structure. And uh, I think we should have a proper structure in place, but uh, with incentives and so on. But I just don't think that how sales in general is organized uh works really well because you have this top-down pressure you want short-term results uh and you don't you you don't focus really on the on the quality long-term relationships you know you just focus on this 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 sort of um the immediate success and not the, the mid-range or long-term success 
Correct. Which can actually hurt you. It's it could be a boomerang. Yeah. Totally. And hit you back because mm-hmm. you know we've all seen this. So that that's quite interesting. So you you actually got into more content works because of a negative experience with uh, more or less classic sales tactics. We have a lot of clients that are struggling with the same. There's a sales organization inside the company, more or less, that is having its own rules. And as you said, top-down pressure and all of this. Um, And they're trying to find ways to um, do it differently. And yeah, most of the time it's by content marketing. And what you said is, if you go international, um, you you can always use kind of the the same blueprint um, because it's about the target audience, it's about their needs, it's about what they uh, what the discussions are and the places they are in. Exactly. So would you would you say um, that it's uh, it's a good idea to to just have kind of a global voice and a global audience like? reaching people everywhere or does it make sense to split it up for instance in by languages or by countries i mean i mean certainly it depends on the product and the audience but if you would have unlimited resources just for a moment okay carlos just for the mm-hmm. moment you would have unlimited resources mm-hmm. would you say that the best approach is to go very local very niche with everything you can yes absolutely i think you need to understand the reality of your audience so uh, I once interviewed someone who's, and that's more like on the commerce space, right? Someone who's selling consumer good products. And she said, you know what? We're selling, uh, it was something like that for the babies, right? And we are seeing massive okay. success in Italy, uh, but they, they were localizing the approach, meaning that they were using, so they were doing Instagram ads and mm-hmm. uh, they figured first that moms in Italy and Poland they would buy that product in the evening because they were just scrolling through their iPads and then they just realized, oh, damn, this is so oh, yeah. for my baby. That's going to make my life easier. However, in the UK, they had an issue. And the issue was that there's like a, there was a specific regulation that did not allow moms to buy that specific product like that, that dummy thing for the baby. So whenever you want to go international, my take is like, I think thinking um, thinking about your niche, like understanding who is the buyer and who influences that specific buyer, that persona, yeah. right? Because sometimes we are targeting like uh, our buyer or who signs the check is the CEO, but it's not the CEO who's going to use the product, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Important point, important point. Yeah, totally. Absolutely so, with you. You know, Absolutely. understanding the pains of of your uh, buyer and who went, who influences the purchase. Uh, it's, it's so important. And in that case, I don't see any other way to go around that if you don't do like a proper research because you need to understand like the realities of that market. And just to give another example. So um, when I was working with e-commerce and that in my, in, in my experience was uh, more like a, uh, a failure let's say, in terms of international expansion, because e-commerce has a, a, quite a complex uh, product, right? They, they, are yeah. an, they are an e-commerce platform that depend on being integrated with, with Umbraco or with Sitecore or other content management systems, which means that the market for them is not the same market as Shopify, for example, you know? 
Yeah, because of the dependency they have, yeah. Correct. And that's another important aspect to analyze when you want to expand into another market. Like, what's the the TAM? What's the total addressable market that you got? The the approach that I've always used for pixels or for VTEX didn't didn't fit them. And in that case, we had the relationships in place, like, because we were selling via SI, so software, software integrators, right? Um, companies yeah. that implement most you could just say partners right to Part- have yeah. it uh, yeah. a bit uh, more general for people outside of the software space perfect uh, so via channels or partners uh, these partners yeah. we already had the relationship with so but what the partners they were uh, demanding also from from e-commerce was that we generated leads but that had never been like uh, one of the one of the strengths so to speak of e-commerce and in that case, I, I was like, okay, so maybe we should produce content to um, to who influences the purchase here in the e-commerce case, which are developers, right? Developers, mm-hmm. uh, the Umbraco development community is very strong. And in that mm-hmm. case, you need to find someone who talks their language, which in that case is the founder of e-commerce, right? But you also yep. need to produce content from a top level perspective, from more like a thought leadership perspective on the future of commerce, where we are going and stuff like that. So it's a bit more complex, you know, in their case, uh, in the e-commerce case, when I look at it, I think you have to to try to, to, to be more like a global play because when you look specifically at one country, in, in, in that case was the Netherlands, the total addressable market isn't that big. And then you have other players such as Shopify uh, with more interesting offerings, like they have subscription models and so on. So it is a tough market. <laughs> yeah, and there's also the always the, the chance for people to use um, self-hosted solutions that are um, widely known, like, you know, Magento or Shopware or whatever. There's a, a plenora of these tools out there. So yeah, the total addressable market is um, a huge point. I've, mm-hmm. I've actually, I come to realize that that needs to be an integral part of your first initial research uh, about the, the prospective market you want to go into. Correct. Because if that is, is just not, if that number is too small, um, no way on earth you can make this work. Yes, yeah. And in the software industry, you can infer like some numbers. For example, you can use built with, you know, it's a software. That, uh, you can put some criteria there. So, for example, say that you can find out how many websites in the Netherlands are using Umbraco. Then you have your current market size, but then solutions similar to Umbraco. And then you have the total size of CMS market, you know, and then you can say, okay, if Let's say that there are 10,000 websites using uh, Umbraco and Sitecore. Then I have uh, 10,000 potential uh, customers. And let's say that 20% of them are ready for commerce. Is that 20% worth the effort versus all the other countries or market that I'm already present in? You know, so (laughs) it's a... it is an interesting conversation that one as well. If was that very complicated, Mark? What I what I was trying to say. 
No, it wasn't. Actually, it made total sense. You're, 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 using, um, you're just using data from the start. Uh, instead of just going the usual creative route, like, yeah, we have this uh, task of going global, of expanding, and this is a list of the markets we have to uh, go into. Let's start with some funky uh, creative. That is probably a, a, a way you did it in the 90s or 2000s or something, but you can't do this anymore today because we have all, all this data and we should use it. And so it makes total sense to me to just uh, analyze the potential market Find find out if there's even a chance for you to um, make this uh, a viable step. And I think the idea of um, expanding international based on data with content over the channels that your clients, your prospects are using um, is more or less, it's almost like a blueprint. Yeah, it is the blueprint. Um, it's hard to execute probably, the details, you know. Mm-hmm. But I really, really, really like um, how you do these things. It's it's very strategic. It makes a lot of sense. And it's uh, overall a great concept. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I think whenever you're trying to build your brand, you need to understand where your audience is. So in that case, Umbraco uh, or e-commerce thing uh, case, it's important to understand that the developers, they are on Twitter. So if you don't understand Twitter, I mean, you're dead in the water. Yeah, uh, because yeah. that's where the conversations are happening, and maybe uh, Reddit as well. You know, you need to. Yeah, find Reddit is a Reddit is a good point. We had a discussion recently with a client. He he was totally opposing YouTube. He doesn't mm-hmm. like the platform, like the 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 marketing, uh, the the C, the CMO. Um, she's she's just she doesn't like YouTube. Don't ask me why. It's just the fact. And I was trying to convince her to go that route anyways because that's where the audience is mm-hmm. um, for, this, for this certain product. But, yeah, you know, sometimes people, they just think their product and their message is enough on, and on every channel um, they like to be on, but you need to be on a channel where your audience is. That's yeah, just, I mean, that's that's a given these days, right? Amongst yeah. content marketers, but probably not amongst brands and companies, unfortunately. Totally correct. I think the the, the main challenge that I see today in, 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 in the world of uh, companies is that a lot of, uh, and I'm not trying to bash anyone, but that's how it is. People are promoted, but they, they don't understand like, uh, they're not channel agnostic. And I think, for example, in, in my case, I, I would consider myself someone who really understands LinkedIn. Um, I, I do have an understanding of Twitter, but I'm not a Twitter expert. But I do know for a fact that, um, you know, people from uh, the Umbraco community, they, they use Twitter. So you have to be there. It's, 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 it's just a fact. Yeah, if you can't do it yourself, you need to find somebody to do it. But the thing is, they are on that channel and, they, and so you need to go there. And I would also say, from what you told me today, essentially, this is what you did. You may mm. be a LinkedIn expert to be, you may be a LinkedIn expert today, but initially, you engineered your way to. Um, to your prospects, like you, you found your audience and you realized that that audience is something you can talk to on LinkedIn. And then you started using that tool and you learned more about it and you used it better and better each day um, and educated yourself in using it. So it's essentially 
yeah, you 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 practice what you preach now. Correct. <laughs> that is how it how how evolve uh, initially started. So now fast forward to today, um, yeah. and I am the international client um, calling you up and asking, hey, what would you? suggest um, to us as a brand for instance we're a consumer brand we want to make a um, what, what would make a difference for us if we go for international expansion we're right now we're just in the US or we're just in Denmark it doesn't matter for that case just you would say go where your audience is like like a most simple approach but then how would you be more detailed about that right so um, I'm not a consumer brand specialist but my dad he's selling Shirts, so I, I maybe I have some guess. Uh, I, I have. Some I was trying to actually make you a bit uncomfortable uncomf with a different <laughs> industry. That was yeah. totally my intention. So yeah, let's try. <laughs> yeah, let's try. So first, first off, I would try to understand the demographics. You know, who you've been selling. Uh, if if it's whatever, it's this dummy thing, or if it's a shirt. What is the concept around whatever you're selling? Uh, who do you appeal uh, to? Um, and I tell you that I've, I've been using Instagram a lot for my personal brand and it's been like a super interesting experience and I want to draw a parallel to it because on my Instagram, I figure that, um, I'm a Brazilian in Denmark, you know, and I, in order to have, uh, to have access to this data, you need a professional Instagram account. It's very easy to do it. Um, and you, you know, you can advise your customers, Mark. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, I figure that um, I appeal a lot to men, you know, and they have a certain age range. Like I appeal like 40, uh, 50% of my audience are men and they are like generation, uh, generation, our generation, generation Y, you know, they're uh, somewhere around 28 to 40, 41 years old, 44, uh, extrapolating a little bit. There, there are women following me as well, but mostly men. You know, and they're very interested in the personal branding kind of content that I'm, I'm creating. So if you're a mm -hmm. consumer, if you're in the consumer goods uh, um, industry, I would I would advise you to look at your demographics um, to and to do some tests. Like say you want to sell some some T-shirts, you have to uh, to localize that experience. Uh, I would I would try to find some um, micro influencers in specific markets. So say you, you want to go to Romania, see what people in Romania uh, on Instagram they are wearing so you have to uh, a little bit like hack the culture if that makes sense right yeah that makes so, it totally that makes total sense so you what you what you're saying is there is no one size fits all there is no strategy you can just pull out and fill in the blanks you need to do the work you need to do the research and find out where are the people What is the con what are the conversations they are having, and how can we yeah we can tap into that and use people or, or let let people help us partnering with the, with micro influencers partnering maybe with uh, depending on the brand if you have uh, resellers um, if you're direct selling probably not but if you have resellers how could you um, integrate them into the strategy so. As far as I understand it, your approach is to you can't do this anymore on your own or totally alone. You need to partner up with people and you need to research and do the groundwork before you do anything. Yeah, absolutely. We are in a global world, right, right, Mark? And I think like um, your agency would, for example, um, again, 
If you're a CMO, you probably won't even have time for that. So I would hire an agency, you know, who's able to help me get that data and come up with insights and 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 really like because I think the role of agencies like yours today um, is is to bring the value you bring are, are like it's not only the data but it's what do you do with that data. So what are the ideas that you're adding me like? Have you had any conversations as an agency with a, like a local partner that you can say, hey, uh, we understood looking at the data that this is the scenario, but, you know, we also spoke with some micro influencers there and they gave us these insights. Maybe we should try these two different things within the next 30 to 60 days, you know, some Instagram campaigns. Yeah, exactly. Do some test campaigns and figure figure a, a way out of on, on how to test everything, essentially test everything. Exactly. And TikTok just announced that they're going also, uh, but that's another conversation. So uh, they announced that they're they're going to the market for business as well. And the opportunity there for any brand and the demographics, yeah, it you is. know, like from 25, I think the, the 25-ish years old there and below, it's just incredible. So imagine that you as a brand, you have direct access to any micro-influencer there. They have many followers and then they they release this capability that you can click on the clothes and and the face of the person and then you directed you redirected to a commerce space where you can buy that exact or similar yeah it will it will it's kind of yeah it will charge everything for commerce because we have this uh, in in the in the asia uh, especially in the chinese market um, already we chat does allow uh, live streaming like kind of tv shows where you sell your stuff and all of this and it it is a great success there and i think it will um it will totally change commerce forever Mm -hmm. these uh, platforms um and this is what we're actually, well, to me, that's a good point to wrap everything up. We just opened up another door and behind that, there will probably be another door in the next months or years. Um, there will always be the next thing, but what never changes if you need to, you need to um, stay agile and you need to look at where the audience is and just go there and just do it. So essentially it's kind of a, Stop thinking, stop overthinking, to put it more correctly. Stop overthinking and start acting on the channels uh, where your audience is. And um, and probably if you have the right message, you did the research in the beginning, you will succeed internationally. But you said, and that's kind of my my thing I'd, I'd like to know from you as more or less kind of to the end, coming to the end. Um, what is the, the, the overall advice you would give people when they enter a foreign market via content and social, I mean the single advice you used. You told us so much about it already. You always, you almost gave a blueprint. Um, but what's the the single thing? I and I would like to ask you just what's the single the single thing you would you would advise people when they want to enter foreign markets via content and social tactics? What is the one thing? Take time to talk to people. If the audience is on LinkedIn or find the channel, but if they are on LinkedIn, invest time in building those relationships um, with them over LinkedIn and don't, don't be romantic about anything as in test, figure out what works and don't challenge what you don't know. Wow. 
that's massive. That that is that is big. So essentially, be totally customer centric, um, and just you go go in their head and talk to them. Exactly. In the end, I mean, we're talk we're we're the people is a business made of people, right? So, and and they, it comes out of relationships. Um, and trust. Yeah. So don't treat. Yeah. So don't treat uh, the channels and the tech as a as a distant tool where you can make business with, but realize that it's actually people. Correct. Yeah, makes total sense. Awesome. That's been something, Carlos. I tell All you, right. I was not expecting us to go to so many places, but I learned a lot. Thank you very much for that. Thank um, you for this opportunity, um, Mark. It's always a pleasure, man. Yeah, thanks. It I can just just give that back. It was amazing, and I learned so much. I'm just I'm not going to jot down a few things uh-huh. <laughs> for, for this for this or that client or for ourselves as well. Could you maybe tell people where they could reach you uh, if they want to know more about you and what Evolve is doing, and maybe have a chat about how you could help? Sure, absolutely. I mean, um, LinkedIn. You can can you can you give them my link? If you write Carlos Denmark, I'm gonna be the first option. Not many Carlos's in Denmark, and I think I'm well positioned. <laughs> Uh, and uh, over LinkedIn, I'm, I'm very, very uh, responsive there. Um, yeah, uh, and then you'll find, I mean, we can have a conversation. I'll give you my email, but LinkedIn, Carlos, Denmark, just write that. Um, it's going to pop. And I put it, yeah, I put it in the show notes and have a link, sure. Um, Perfect. That's amazing. Okay, all the best to you and talk soon. Thanks, man. Thank you very much for this. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again, Carlos, not only for taking the time, but especially for all these insights, these tips and um, all the details. Um, I take away from it that while there is a blueprint on the overall approach to entering a market with content to expand globally with content, you really need to put the work into it and really do your research in the beginning. So the research phase is the most important one besides the actual execution, which can be hard at times as well. But know your data, analyze your market, and listen to the audience. Listen to the audience, try to tap into conversations to know more, and then kind of have an engineering approach to it and using the blueprint to actually build the tailored solution. So that's it for today's episode of Global Content. Thank you very much for listening. Let me know your feedback. Just hit me up on LinkedIn or click one of the links. And um, until next time. Cheers. Bye-bye.